Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Virginia 69, Duke 62. What a what a snoozer of a basketball game last night in JPJ. It's Chris Graham, Scott German here. Uh, nothing eventful coming out of that either afterwards. I mean, no statements from the ACC or anything. Boy, Scott, I got to say, um, to me, and we talked about this on the phone a few minutes ago, uh, and so we'll uh, just kind of recapture some of that magic and, and even add more to it. But to me, uh, that that uh, that controversial ending is the best thing that I've ever seen in my life. Duke got screwed, and the world feels – I feel like I woke up in a different world this morning than I, than I went to bed in – or that I woke up in yesterday, I guess. Why, and why would you feel that way? Oh, I don't know, because for 40-some years, uh, uh, the world was tilted – uh, in such a direction that all the bad calls uh, that would out determine the outcome of a game benefited Duke. Uh, and, and it's not just us, the rest of the ACC is like, hey, it's a brave new world out there. Yeah, Chris, I, we talked off the air. Off the air. Uh, <laughs> I think yesterday was probably one of the most uh, – I don't know, impactful days that the ACC has had in basketball in a long time in that what happened at the end of the UVA game, the statement uh, released later last night by the ACC, pretty much says the days of bullying on the sideline and intimidation is over, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, to me. And, I, and I've seen – I counted it up last night. Uh, I haven't missed a Duke-Virginia home game since 1983 and I've seen good Duke teams um, demolish us. I've seen bad Duke teams beat us. Um, I've seen us get, but we were on the other end of that. Yeah. Um, 1997. 1997. Um, there's one other, I, I, I can't remember the exact date, but um, I think it was, are you talking about the, the substitution? Was that? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the okay. Norman Nolan, Willie Durr substitution game, right. 1997. Right. Um, but you know you can you can flip the script and you can put a lot of teams in that's had that experience oh, yeah. against Duke. Not just Virginia isn't the only you know school that's been on the other side of that coin. Uh, Carolina certainly has. Uh, there's other schools too. So I think you're not going to see a whole lot of of um, of um, tears being shed for Duke around the around the ACC. And I think that that's a good thing because now. Now, if John Shire is going to make it at Duke, he's going to have to make it on his own, or he's going to have to come up with another. Uh, Ralph Sampson played forty-seven minutes in a forty-minute game to to work that to to his uh, to his benefit. Yeah, and what I'd say to UVA fans out there, I, I made a rare uh, act of um, scanning the uh, the message boards and the social media. I don't do either much these days, but I wanted to get a pulse on. Um, what the UVA fans were thinking. And there's so many people who are, uh, in fact, I'd say 95% or more of the folks out there are, are trying to argue against the, the fact that it was a, a bad call. And we'll talk more about the call, but I, I just, I still want to talk about this, this aspect of it, that uh, it was a, you know, oh, it was not a bad call and here's X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C as to why that's the case. And, and I'm just saying, lean into it um, because um, and I'll give my thoughts on this as to why it was a bad call. And I'm glad it was a bad call. 
Um, and, and probably why it's two in, in this case, two wrongs actually do make a right. Um, but um, as far as all that goes, yeah, this is this is something where, you know, for for, for 40 plus years, Duke basketball under under Mike Krzyzewski with Mike Krzyzewski at the helm, I should say, I guess, uh, bullied the league into into, you know, seeing things its way and, and that that Duke uh, basketball, what, what was good for Duke was good for uh the acc and uh you know it and, and to a point where yeah not just virginia uh everybody else out there in the acc felt like man come on at some point you know like last week duke and carolina played got got the primetime spot uh or on an ac saturday two unranked teams you know and they it, it's it, it's a few years past i know they both made the final four last year surprise runs for for both but uh the last ACC team to win a national championship is Virginia, not Duke, not North Carolina. Uh, those two teams are unranked. They're they're way underperforming, and yet they still get the spotlight. So, you know, it's maybe it's appropriate that last Saturday those two schools still get the spotlight. This this particular Saturday, last night, uh, Virginia, the, the 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 torch has been passed. Let's just say, and I don't I don't you know I'm not saying Virginia is going to get all the bad calls go their way like Duke did for 40 years. But uh, we'll take one. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, absolutely. So, so I wore my UVA hat for a reason um, <laughs> because there's no, you know, there's no secret we, we're UVA fans, probably among the, the best. We cover the team, um, but I think we do a fair job. Um, one of us, especially, is not afraid of criticizing the administration, coaching. Uh, the custodial staff, the food vendors. Uh, so, um, but so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna take this hat off. The reason I wore it, I'm gonna take it off, and I'm just gonna go back to just being trying to be unbiased here. And Chris, I think what happened, we're overcomplicating this, is that, and I said it to you last night, the refs blew that whistle wishing that they could have taken it back uh, mm -hmm. because you cannot, it, I've looked at that play probably a hundred times. I've freezed it, looked at it. Um, it. It is just too, too debatable to have to call a foul and let a game that was played at that intense level. And those two teams just, just battled each other for 40 minutes to let a game come down to that. That that would have been just a crime, and I believe that was the that was the beginning of it. Is that they realized, hey, we can't we can't can't let this game end like that, and, and it didn't end. That call did not decide the game because um, they played five minutes afterwards. Yeah, and if you look at that five minute stretch of that five minutes, um, Duke was horrible. Duke committed four turnovers, um, just took some bad shots, forced some shots. Duke became unnerved. And you would have thought Duke would have came out of that huddle um, with a chip on their shoulder, and they did not. Uh, they came out uh, like the little kid that got punched in the mouth and went home crying to his mother. Yeah, Duke was two for six in the overtime. Over yeah, I'm going to put my hat back on. So. Put hat. Duke was two for six from the field in overtime, 0 for two from three, 0 for one at the foul line. Uh, you mentioned four, four turnovers, seven fouls. I mean, they weren't fouling to to stop the clock. I mean, they were at the end a little bit, 
But uh, the bulk of those fouls were were, were turnover type fouls, offensive offensive fouls, charges, uh, sloppy play as far as that goes. Um, and uh, you know, for the most part, it's interesting. This was such a weird game. Uh, Virginia shot fifty one point nine percent. Duke shot forty four point nine percent. Duke, uh, uh, uncharacteristically, they they were a thirty two point six percent three point shooting team coming in. They ended up nine of twenty three. They cooled off late from three. Um, first half, uh, let's see, I'm going to pull these numbers up here. First half, Duke was four of nine, second half, five of 12. I mean, this is again, a team that shoots 32.6%. They were making shots that they don't normally make, um, out rebounded Virginia, 39, 24, Virginia shot nine of 22 from three, uh, from the foul line, I should say. And, you know, all those stats pretty much add up to a Duke big win. One stat that didn't work out, 22 turnovers for Duke in this game. Virginia, a 20-8 to eight advantage in points off turnovers. Duke, a team that gets a lot of points in fast break and transition, no fast break points last night. Uh, and so, um, you, you know, so all these things go pulling you in different directions. It, 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 Virginia, if, if Virginia makes free throws, they were 3 of 12 in regulation from the foul line. If Virginia goes 9 of 12, which they're a 75, close to 75% shooting team, 10 of 12, the game, Virginia wins the game maybe by double digits when you factor it all in because um, Duke would have been reduced to fouling at the end. Um, so either team could have claimed, hey, we were, you know, 7 to 10 or 12 points better than the other team the way things played out last night and just didn't work out our way. But, um, you know, I, I like what you said there, Scott. Yeah, it, 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 the game didn't hinge on those fouls. It, it's not like Virginia was up one and, and won by one point because – the refs took two free throws away from Kyle Filipowski. Right. It was a tie game. They had five minutes to play. Duke did not play well in those last five minutes. And I know we want to talk in depth about uh, the actual call. It was 1.2 seconds of last night's 45-minute game. But give me your perspective, Scott. Give me your perspective on, on those 1.2 seconds. Wow. My perspective is that um... – Duke ran a good play. Um, Filipowski took the ball to the rim. Well, okay. I'm, let me let me interject. That was the, 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 let me let me throw in. I, I watched. I had the game one in the background while you and I were talking on the phone. I was finishing up a column, um, the rebroadcast on ESPNU, and so. I was seeing on a big screen what I was looking at on a little screen last night because I'm like you. I watched the play a hundred times. Um, one of the many replays, there are f- multiple fans sitting right behind the inbounder, Tyrese Proctor, holding up their hands with a five, signifying five-second call. I've seen it measured anywhere from 5.2 to 6.8 seconds that he had the ball, depending on when you start your, your clock, and it should start when he's handed the ball. There's there's one Twitter actually linked to the Twitter uh, video of this. Um, the, the 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 stopwatch started when he smacked the ball, which is what a player does to to signify to his teammates we're starting to play. But the clock wouldn't start. I mean, you're you're the five second mythical clock that a right. referee would wouldn't start when he smacks the ball. It would start when he was handed the ball. So that's why I say there's a discrepancy between five point two and six point eight seconds. Um, Ryan Dunn severely overplayed. The, the pass Filipowski Phillip, uh, cut out towards the three-point line and Ryan Dunn tried to steal the pass. Uh, and that's what allowed Filipowski to, to have the lane of the basket. So right. I wouldn't give, I wouldn't even give Duke credit for running a good play. One, they were at least, they were at least 0.2 seconds beyond a five second violation, maybe as much as two seconds beyond a five second violation. 
and just got lucky that a freshman overplayed the back the, the, the passing lane. Yeah, what, what I mean, a good play. I, I'm saying, do you think that taking the ball to the to the rim was a better choice than trying to free someone up for a shot? But, because taking but, it to the rim, you do get the opportunity of maybe drawing a foul. He was only able to take it to the rim because Ryan Dunn overplayed the, the pass yeah. to the backcourt. Um, fundamental mistake by, I mean, and nobody's talking about this because we're so, we're so focused on the, the foul or no foul call fundamental mistake by Ryan Dunn, um, that you, you've got to keep yourself between your, the guy you're guarding and the rim with 1.2 seconds ago, he's not a danger at the three point line. Let him throw up a three pointer. Don't do, do not let him get between you and the rim. That's what Dunn did. So. You know, uh, you know, we love the freshman. He's very athletic, good player. Got a lot, got a lot of potential in the future for Virginia. But that was an awful defensive play by him. Yeah, and he he certainly has the, the experience that I mean he he's not Filipkowski who, you know, has been one of Duke's what Duke's leading scorer I think. But this. he's also a freshman who had he's no also a freshman last, who had no points last night. Uh, who had no <laughs> points. Um, so. But he gets so yeah. get, get to back so, where you were. He gets my, to the rim. He gets to the rim. He gets to the rim. And here's the thing that really – I think what Filikowski did, and I, and I listened to a podcast this morning by Tyler Hansborough, um, he pretty much played his way back into college again <laughs> next season. I think because that entire Duke group of one and Duns played their way back into college. Yeah, already. yeah. And that could be bad news for the rest of the conference because if you can't take that ball and flush it, and you let a six-three guard uh, get up there with you and 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 impede your your pass to the basket, your 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 shot. Then you're not ready for the NBA. Well, you say bad news for the rest of the conference. I say bad news for John Shire. He's already recruited another one and done class next year um, that may not have scholarships available if um, if these guys don't leave. And Scott, I didn't see a guy out there last night on the Duke side. That no. look like they were NBA, anything more than a future NBA journeyman, certainly not a first round pick next in, in this this spring's draft. Yeah, if someone takes a player, a Duke player in the first round, it's it's ba- it's basically because they don't need him to come in and perform right away. Yeah, yeah. There, maybe a second there might be a couple second round picks in that on that group, but no first round picks in that group. Yeah, but you don't make any money in the second rounds. No, no. Um ask Kyle Guy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but so he that's took it what to the surprised rim. me is that he, that he just did not flush that ball home and that, well, that, that Reese was able to get up there and done too. Well, but so Reese is the one who met him at the rim and I, I, I watching the play from so many different angles. Reese was down there guarding. I'm trying to think he was, he was, he was on a guard. I mean, he was, you know, he was, he was, he was staying with his man under the back. He happened to be under the basket with his. So, so Duke's Duke's man ran him into the block, which is another, that, that young man's fundamental mistake running a, a defender into the lane to even be there. So Beekman 6'3, Filipowski 7-1. <laughs> Watching it live last night, I I didn't think, I mean, I thought Dunn had to have been the guy to block the shot because you know, from from where we're sitting uh, up in the press area, you know, all you can see is young African American man with 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 tall hair. And I'm thinking, there's no way. I mean, so Dunn, great job, Dunn blocking that shot. And then to see the replays when I get home, and it's it's Beekman at 6'3. Blocking the shot, uh, Dunn's contribution to the play was the contact after the shot was blocked. And that's where the whistle came in. The whistle wasn't on Beekman. And I think, you know, certainly those of us in the arena were confused as heck at everything going on. And we don't have 
Nick Vitale and whoever the play-by-play guy was last night telling us and showing us multiple replays of what's going on. All we have is what we saw live with our eyes and then the big screen, but no, no one in our ear telling us what's going on. So the foul, I guess, I mean, it obviously would have been called on, on Dunn. Now, this is where things get complicated. So uh, the, the shot was blocked clean by Beekman. In fact, in the scorebook, he is a, he's officially credited with a blocked shot. Um, whatever contact there would have been clearly happened after triple zeros, a triple zeros, point zeros. How many ever zeros you want to put up on the scoreboard? That's how many zeros there would have been. Whatever contact there would have been would have been after that. Um, so the reps go to the uh, to the side now. So here's what we'll say. We're in the arena, Scott. Uh, we were separated at this point. You had already gone down towards the tunnel to, to, to do, start the postgame stuff. Um, I was up with uh, one of our good friends, Lawrence Johnson, um, and, and he was sitting there on, on press row. And uh, Lawrence asked me, uh, so Chris, uh, you know, I'm saying the only thing they can be reviewing is whether or not anything happened before the clock went out. And he's saying, well, can't they challenge the call? Um, no, the NBA has that rule where you can challenge a foul call and get a foul call overturned. There's, you can't do that in college yet. Maybe you should, but you can't challenge a foul call yet. So, um, but you know, we we're in the arena last night. And we didn't know what was going on. Nobody's telling us all that stuff. So they overturned the call. Um, now, okay, th- thoughts now, Scott, on overturning the call because you, I, I agree with you. The the first mistake was calling the foul in the first place. <clears throat> Over overturning the call, I think, just basically boiled down to <laughs> maybe I'm too naive on this. Maybe I'm too whatever you want to say it. I, I believe the officials felt like, and they may have known the rules, Chris, that they were going to get reprimanded. Uh, but I believe the officials realized we should have never blown a whistle to begin yeah. with. One, and we're and going to overturn the call. Only one of the three blew a whistle. The other two were signaling game with that, that uh, regulation had ended. One, one right. official, the baseline guy, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have his name. We saw all three names. I just don't know which guy that was. But only one of the three officials called a foul. The other two were signaling game over. And, and yeah, then they've got to go um, go review that. And I agree with you, Scott. I think that – so this is where I say two wrongs make – a rare case of two wrongs making a right. The first wrong was calling the foul in the first place. Um, there, that's where it all starts. That's where it all starts, yeah. If, if, if the whistle doesn't blow, then you know Duke can say, oh, yeah, there was contact and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's contact on but every play. That happens play. every play. Every play. It just contact. happened that it happened on the very last play. Yeah. That happens at the 13 18 mark of the first quarter, at the seven minute mark of the second half. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, happens. those plays happen. If you're down on the floor and you, I was down on the floor towards the end of the game. Yeah. My gosh, it's a completely different game than it is from up in the stands. They could call, the game would still be going on. Oh, They've yeah. run out of players. They can't call every single contact play and you you should not call a play a foul in that situation that they know would determine the, the outcome of that game so i'm with i'm with you as well on the the official so they they've they're they're using the and, and they go to the they go to the replay the only thing they can do is try to determine if the the foul would have been called before uh the triple zeros and honestly, not even that, because the way the ACC worded its its correction last night, um, they, they, they the ACC cited three different sections of the rule book saying that even if 
So even uh, Beekman does get the block, but uh, because a whistle was blown on contact on Dunn, even though the contact was after triple zeros, um, it's still part of the play, even though it's after right after triple zeros. It's kind of so, like continuation. Basically, yeah, like continuation. The ball is even though the the clock is 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 drained, the ball is still in play until the ball hits the floor, I guess, or goes out of bounds. And so um, you can't overturn a call. You can only – so they, they when they went to the uh, replay, they weren't even looking to see if it happened after after triple zeros. They were only looking to see if there should have been any time left on the clock for Virginia, um, and there wouldn't have been as it turns out. So um, – but I think what they did, and I think they knew what they were doing. I believe they did too. Yeah, that that they realized when they looked at that, oh, my God, this there is no foul here. There, there is not anything to call a foul on. Clean block. Contact was after what and, – and the contact did not create an advantage for the defender. Should have swallowed the whistle. Can't undo swallowing the whistle. So what we're going to do here is – and I think also it's very possible they were there for a while. It's also possible that the sideline official – um, who missed the blatantly missed the the five second violation on the inbounds? They could have taken all that into consideration and said, okay, one, Duke got the ball in at least a, a fraction of a second late, probably as much as two seconds late on the inbounds, and and then two, we should not have called the we should not have blown the whistle on on uh, calling a foul on the block at the rim. So if we give Duke who got the ball inbounds late after what should have been a violation, and then give them two free throws on what's not a foul, we're doing much more harm that way than if we simply say we're going to go to overtime. Let the two teams fight it out. This play, that, that, that play, that cascade of errors by us, two officials involved in screwing that up. One official screwed up not counting to five, and the other official screwed up by blowing the whistle. If, if we allow that to give Duke this win, that's a much more egregious violation than if we let them play five more minutes and determine it that way. Um, that's that, I think, but that's two wrongs making a right though, because by the letter of the law, they can't do that. Exactly, and that's what the statement uh, by the ACC indicated. Um, so, two things I want to uh, make a note of or talk about: if that if that call had been somewhere during the game and, and it was a bad call, then that would have been maybe gone down as a bad call. We, we've had this conversation uh, before that, um, that I had a conversation with a very well-known ACC official from the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. And I asked that official, is there a such thing as it, it do makeup calls really exist? And, and this, particular official said you bet your sweet ass they do <laughs> um but the objective is to correct the wrong as quickly as possible in other words if you if there's a if an official knows he made a, an incorrect call um early in the second half late in the first half whatever it, it, you try to correct that as soon as you can Within a possession or two, really. Within a possession or two. And we've seen it. We've seen it. We saw it last night three or four times. And we we we've gotten to a point, Scott, just just so folks out there know. We call the fouls ahead of time. We we tell each other, yeah, that was a makeup call. I mean, because there there will be a touch foul called on somebody, and there it is. It's a makeup call. And and if and if 
viewers want to know, does it really exist? It does. I had an official tell me it does. The the objective is to call it quickly, to get it out of the way, to even the playing field up. This opportunity, this was sort of like a makeup call. Yeah, because they didn't have another play. They didn't have another play. So they had to make it up right away. This did not end the game. This did not end the game. This simply sent it to overtime and allowed each team to go back to their bench, regroup, uh, and the the team that wanted that game the most was going to win that game. And it was very obvious from the stats you just released um, of what Duke Duke crapped the bed in the five minute overtime. And you're uh, right. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm John Shire, if you're John Shire, anybody out there listening and watching is John Shire. After that, you're telling your guys, you're getting them in that huddle. You got three minutes before the jump ball to start overtime. You you know the the time to 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 get out there, and you're. You're fuming. I mean, Coach K would have been doing this. He would have been – his veins would have been popping out. His eyes probably would have been bulging out of his head, red in the face. He would have been talking about how – he would have – F this, F that. We just got screwed. Staring the refs down at the same time. Yeah. Oh, and every call every would have gone Every call in overtime was going to go Duke's way. Yeah, exactly. And 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 his guys would have gone out and dominated the overtime. The Shires did not. Um, And so um, I was getting – it was getting to a point there. So the – uh, the so so the 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 call is 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 what it is. It's it's overturned. Two wrongs making the right in this case. Um, I'm saying you know the, I'm seeing out there the sentiment on the social media, the message boards. Uh, you know I I, I, t- I talked about this at the top. You know folks arguing against it. Also folks raising the objection. Why did the ACC even put out a statement? That just shows that this is bias against Duke. Honestly, I I wrote a column. You wrote a column last night, Scott, and then after the ACC statement, I wrote one late last night. It's why I'm, you know, <laughs> didn't get a lot of sleep last night in a good way. Um, but that, we all remember, uh, at least the old timers amongst us, remember the 1997 Virginia Duke game in in U Haul. Um, I I co-wrote a, a history book on U Haul. We wrote an entire chapter of that book on the last 4.8 seconds of that 1997 game in U Hall, Virginia was it, it just to set the scene there to, to, to remind folks or, or inform folks who, who maybe aren't of age to, to have known you've heard about 1997 and here's what it was. Score was 60, 60. Um, the roles were reversed that year. Duke was number six in the country and Virginia was on the NCAA tournament bubble. Oh, Virginia's eight this year and tech or Duke is headed towards the bubble now after last night's loss. Um, so it was 60-60, 4.8 seconds ago, Norman Nolan at the foul line for Virginia. Norman Nolan, for those who were you know, not the, the older fans, Norman Nolan was a, a 6'8 power forward, scored a lot of points. Big big guy, big burly guy, a great, great player for Virginia back in the day. Um, so Virginia's coach at the time, Jeff Jones, who's now at ODU as the head coach, Jeff played at UVA, coached under Terry Holland, and then took over uh, for, and, and had a good run there for a while. Um Jeff Jones was out of timeouts. So 4.8 seconds ago, free throw shooter on the line, no timeouts. So what Jeff Jones was going to do is what coaches always do in these situations. I don't have timeout. I got a free throw shooter at the line. I'm going to put a sub at the scorer's table so that I can stop the clock essentially after the second free throw and set my defense, kind of get everybody situated, and, uh, and then we're ready to play the last play. No one missed the first free throw. but he, so so. Um, Jeff Jones has Willie Dirsch at the at the at the scorer's table, ready to check in after the second free throw, assuming Norman Norman makes the free throw, which he does. So no one makes the second free throw. Virginia's up 61-60, 4.8 seconds to go. Uh, the scorer's table starts sounding the horn. 
which is the signal to the officials that, hey, we got to check in the game. The officials don't stop play. They let Duke inbound the ball. Virginia's players are standing because they're waiting for Willie Durst to check in the game. Uh, and Duke, Wo- Steve Wojciechowski, the point guard, who's now what he's, he's, he was, he's the former head coach now at, uh, Marquette, Steve Wojciechowski gets the inbounds pass and streaks up the court. And Virginia is, is, you know, Willie Durst is checking in. Somebody's checking out. I, I obviously it'll be Norman Nolan checking out. He, he's checking in for the shooter. Um, and mass confusion, the, 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 the scores table is sounding the horn more continued confusion clock doesn't start. Wojciechowski finally gets fouled by one of the Virginia players uh, in the front court, leading to a one-in-one situation for Duke. Uh, in the confusion, uh, the, the, the clock starts, and after it's all settled, uh, the clock is drained of time, uh, and, and Steve Wojciechowski makes the two free throws, Virginia loses. Um, the ACC, now, so I'm getting back to where I, so that's the setting, and then the ACC last night issued a statement uh, about Virginia benefiting from a bad call. In 1997, two days after the uh, that game, Gene Corrigan, then the commissioner of the ACC, issued a statement apologizing for the bad calls there. So um, it's not unprecedented, to say the least, that uh, the ACC issues a statement after a bad call at the end of a game, and it's not just to protect Duke last night. In fact, the ACC, the ACC not only... Uh, you know, admonished his officials, sat them out a game. Uh, that that crew did not work a game. They they lost an assignment as a result. That was losing pay for them. Um, but I remember th- whether this was unofficial or it was official talk. That Virginia team I mentioned was on the bubble. Um, it was it was said at the time, and I've not I've not found any confirmation of this online. So I'm I'm saying what I remember from the time that the tournament selection committee was basically advised not to hold that loss against Virginia. Uh, you know, in essence, uh, because of the ACC's uh, apology, um, consider that a no contest. And Virginia, in fact, got in got an NCAA tournament bid with a seven to nine league record, eighteen and twelve overall, lost in the first round of the ACC tournament. As it turned out, they didn't do much with it. They lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament as well. But the NCAA did not hold the loss against them in cons- with as they were considering Virginia's resume for the NCAA tournament. So. Um, that's a pretty strong way to do it. We are apologizing, and we're not going to count this loss against you. I, you know, I've, unofficially, I bet the same thing happens to Duke. Not only will – I mean, obviously, the ACC's apologized. I, I'm pretty sure these officials will at least get one game docked against them uh, from an assignment. But, um, you know, Duke, Duke will, will, will get the same consideration Virginia got 26 years ago from, in terms of the NCAA tournament. Difference in being docked now and being being docked and, and reprimanded, suspended for a game is back in '97. Officials were uh, affiliated with a conference. That's right. Um, now they're free agents, so it's not uncommon for the top officials to work three, four, five games a week. One works six. Yeah, yeah. Early January, I saw it on uh, uh, Twitter, and they showed his travel schedule. He was East Coast, West Coast, East Coast, Middle America in six days, six straight games. So, so, so these guys will just pick up a job in the Mac or something. That right. They're so not they're not going to really yeah. <laughs> lose a lot of money. No, don't shed any tears over the, how much money they might be out. And which, hey, who knows if that does in fact, and when they're standing there looking at the, at the uh, TV monitor last night, who knows if that doesn't factor into them thinking, hey, let's just let's let's right the wrong. We're going to get suspended, but we'll just work, you know, in, in the Sun Belt uh, for that night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so the other thing, 
I made a note where we were before we went on. Um, let's look at this from both sides. Mm-hmm. First of all, if you're if you're a Duke fan and you're complaining uh, about the officiating taking uh, how they handled the last play, mm-hmm. and you don't take into consideration the missed five second call, right. how horrible Duke played in overtime, um, how Duke's Big men, all dapper Dan's, right? Um, were not were just MIA last night. Then, then you're not you're not complaining about the officials. You're you're just mad because your team lost. Yeah. Flip the scripts. We UVA UVA fans. If we'd lost that game last night on that call, if that call had not been overturned and Filipkowski went and made one, all he needed to make was one. Oh, he needed to make, yeah, one. He didn't have to make two, and it was two shots. So, yeah, free bacon or not, <laughs> there was. Pro- I wouldn't go as far as to, as Shire said. There's no doubt that he would make the shots. Uh, I, I would say that there was probably little doubt that he couldn't make one or two. Right, right. Uh, but. If you're a Virginia fan, are you are, are you really going to be that uh, blindsided and say that cost us, or are you going to be objective and say we were nine of twenty two from the free throw line, we were woeful from behind from from behind the three point line? You, uh, doesn't that work both ways? Well, 39-24 rebound. Thirty nine twenty four rebound. Virginia was three of twelve at the line at that moment. Um, and you know it, it would have really it still would have it, it still would have hurt to have Filipowski score one point in the game and that one point be the, the one that won the game on a series of bad calls but yeah you 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 had every opportunity to win the game it would have hurt but you would have had to if you're a real true fan you would have had to look at this and say you know my gosh we played a horrible game really um, and we still could have won but should have won well. Should have won. We, I will but, say this: the tacos tasted a lot better last night after yeah. they <laughs> the were. overdone I mean, the, the, These things even out. They even out. Well, it, they even out. And it, you um, know, it, it took twenty six years for them to even out, Scott. That's that's yeah. the thing here. Um, and but I think the bigger statement here, we again, is the statement that the ACC made, and I love the final comment was basically in the discussion. In the discussion. We, we consider the case closed in the discussion, yeah. In the discussion. In <laughs> yeah. other words, uh, get over it, Duke. Yeah. And, and Duke- Sorry, get over it. You've had you've had 40 years of, for the majority, overwhelming majority, you've been on the good side of this curve. Yeah. And, and now you're on the, on the wrong end of it. But more importantly, now the officials are showing the rest of the conference, the rest of the college basketball, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to let – something we're not going to let a coach one coach dictate that much of have that much control over the ebb and flow of a game yeah and that's clearly that call one it, that that game last night the way it was officiated it wouldn't have come down to one play if if there's a coach k on the sidelines uh jeremy roach doesn't foul out with 311 to go uh on a few offensive fouls uh you know they're they're calling kihei clark for some of those fouls i mean it's just Coach K, it was it, things were different under Coach K, and it's fine. It's what it is, you know. We can't, we can't. It's water well, on the bridge. Chris, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Okay, let's let's fake, let's give him credit. He's he, a Hall yeah. of Fame coach. He's uh-huh. a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, yeah. He won he won three gold medals for the U.S. We we actually rooted for him then. But 
if you tell if you if you can can't honestly say he he was able to dictate a lot of games, dictate the flow, dictate the the way the game was officiated, then you if you weren't paying much attention the last 40 years. On this podcast I watched this morning, it's called The Field of 68. It's hosted by um uh, Tyler Hansborough. Um he was asked, um would that have caught would that call have been overturned if Coach K was on the sideline. And Hansborough said, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Hansborough was in a few of those uh, fist uh, fights with, uh, with Duke and literally got his nose broken in, in one of those games with, with Duke. He said the officials would have never um, – they just wouldn't. And, and he didn't get in any – he didn't elaborate on it, but he's, his his answer was absolutely not. Well, he didn't need to. He didn't need to. Anybody who's not a Duke fan – uh, especially a, an ACC, a fan of an ACC school who's not a Duke fan knows that <laughs> that's Duke fans know that's the case. They got they got those calls for all those years. It's kind of like I, I I wrote a column this afternoon saying, I mean, you know, Duke Duke walked has walked around for forty years, and their fans have walked around for forty years expecting those calls to go their way, um, and not apologizing for those calls. Tony Bennett after the game last night. It was as sheepish as you've ever heard a coach who, who who benefited from a call. It's almost like he was apologizing. What I'm suggesting to UVA fans is 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 just let's just own it, you know. Um, at least last night we were the bad guys, you know. As far as it was, as far as every damn uh, news organization was concerned, who cover sports, ESPN's headline, the Athletics headline, CBS Sports, Yahoo Sports. All of them uh, have having writers be moaning this awful call that caused Duke the game. Um, we're the heels now. I'm a, I'm a wrestling guy. One of these things back here behind me is, is, is it got some wrestling in, insignia with it. Um, let's let's be the let's be the bad guys here. Heck yeah! I mean, you know, let's embrace it. Let's let's lean into it a little bit here. If uh, you know, because Tony Tony Bennett, it's been his league for a while. Let's just be honest about that. Um, and the rest of the world doesn't hasn't realized that, but. You know who doesn't realize it and who, who recognized it last night with a statement at about 11.50 p.m. Eastern time, and that's the ACC. <clears throat> that statement, more than anything to me, Scott, was the ACC saying, uh, it's Tony Bennett's conference now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and get over it, Duke. Get over it, Duke. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> but, but Tony's not going to let you know that it's his conference. <laughs> he, no, he's, no, he's, he's not going to let you know that. He, because uh, because humility is the first of the five pillars. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like I said. I'm but we'll let you know that. We'll let you know. Uh, it reminds me. So, Scott, I'm, I'll, I'll go back to my wrestling analogy for a second. Um, there's a guy. You, you actually may know the name. Kurt Angle. Um, Kurt yes. Angle was an Olympic gold medal winning actual, you know, amateur wrestler. And then he transitioned to the pro wrestling business. And when he first was in the pro wrestling business, Vince McMahon tried to make him into he's a gold medal winning wrestler. He won the gold medal literally with a broken neck. He had broken his neck in the U.S. trials. He won the gold medal with a broken neck. What You can't imagine. You can't cast a better babyface top guy in your territory. So he, he sends him out there, and Kurt Angle wears the gold medal around his neck, and he's talking about how he won the gold, he won the gold with a broken neck and how hard he trained and all this stuff. And fans started to hate him because he was too virtuous. <laughs> <laughs> and you look at where our society that was 20 years 20 plus years ago you look at where our society is now and people hate 
good people. We 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 seem to value like the, the Kardashians in our in our world who are just the worst absolute people in the world. They they take and take and take and all you know they 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 sleep around. They they do drugs. You know they they're everything about them screams awful. But we value that now. And the people like Kurt Angle, the people like Tony Bennett. I mean, Tony Bennett's been getting booed for years, not just in the ACC. He, the, the the National Basketball Writers hate Tony Bennett's style of basketball. It's boring. Um, you know, uh, schools recruited against Tony saying, you'll never go to the NBA if you play for Tony Bennett, even though he's got 12 guys in the NBA now um, because his style is boring. And, you know, there's no way he's that nice. I wrote in the column, Duke Basketball Report already has his 72-point banner, World War II just ended headline ready for the next time Tony or the first time Tony gets a freaking parking ticket. They're just waiting for something to show that this guy is not as good as he is. And that those guys on his, that he recruits are not as good as they are. They're waiting for that first little pebble of something to give them something to say, oh, let's see, Tony Bennett's like everybody else. People hate, in this day and age, we hate good people. Let's lean into it. Let's be the good people who actually get guys who go to class. Duke's guys go to class for six weeks. Kyrie Irving believes the earth is flat. If that's what you want to claim as your as your big alum in the NBA, he 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 anti-vaxxer, anti-Semite, and and that's your that's the guy you want to brag about going to your school. Coach K turned Duke from an academic institution into a warehouse of one and done dumbasses who who come there, get the, get their blessing from Coach K, and leave school after the spring break and go to the NBA. Um, so. Yeah, you know, let's 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 be the 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 goody two shoes that everybody hates because heck with it. The ACC's ours now, bitch. If you don't like it, recognize. That's my wrestling promo there for you, Scott. Yeah, Chris, you really need to just tell us what's on your mind and quit beating around the bush about it. It could be that you know I mentioned that I was up really late writing last night, and so I've had I think I've had four. Uh, 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 diet Dr. Peppers this morning. Uh, plenty cool. of caffeine. So, um, but there, there you go. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what how the polls how the uh, polls treat us this week. Um, if you weren't watching yesterday or following the scores, I think there was at least a couple of upsets of teams ahead of us. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee lost. Arizona got upset last night by Stanford, a bad Stanford team. Um, and where this matters is, I mean, you, you and I talked about this a lot between airings, um, but we'll talk about it now uh, uh, here on the as we're recording. Um, I mean, our eyes are now. I mean, yeah, you want you got to win every game. Don't don't overlook Louisville, even though Louisville's awful, et cetera, et cetera. Louisville played decent last night, uh, losing at Miami by eight. So that's actually as, as well as they can play. Um, but uh, so value you know value your opponents, respect your opponents. That said, um, Virginia's. I mean, yeah, uh, double by uh, that's pretty much not sewn up, but it's 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 sewn up in the ACC tournament. But what you're really playing for is you want to be in Greensboro the following weekend. Yeah, and then you want to be in position that if you win two games there, you're in New York uh, for the the regional weekend. So, um, you know, winning last night keeps you on track for that. Maybe even gives you a boost in in that sense. Go out and win some more games. Uh, go down to Greensboro, win some games, and then you're playing again in Greensboro three hours down the road. We know, Scott, UVA fans travel to Greensboro. That place in 2014 for the ACC tournament final against Duke that year, 
I've never I, there was JPJ South. Yeah, yeah, there were more people in there wearing wearing orange than there would be in JPJ just because Greensboro College seems a little bit bigger. Um, and it was a it was a home crowd for Virginia that day. So we love Greensboro. We traveled well to New York in the Sweet 16 um, in 2014. There were as many people in Madison Square Garden as there usually are in JPJ rooting for UVA. So, um, yeah, you want tickets are a little more accessible, believe it or not. Uh, it because tickets at, to JPJ aren't always, you know, it's a pretty much season ticket holder thing. Um, season ticket holders who donate a lot of money, and then you know, Madison Square Garden's a little bigger, and it's only a six-hour train ride. It's not. It's very. It's very convenient to get to New York and that, from Charlottesville. You just get on the train in Charlottesville. You get off the train right there at Madison Square Garden. You're literally in the arena when you get off the train. Yeah. So rankings are rankings do mean something. They do. I mean, the, really rankings, do. The, the computer numbers, they all mean something. Yeah. And so we're playing now for style points. Um, and, and we need to, we need to rack up those style points that win last night as a result is huge in that respect. Chris, um, we both know with the, the 29th, the 2018 season, uh-huh. we played in Charlotte, which is not that far much further from Greensboro, yeah. but it is. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2019, we played a little further south. Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we know how important it is to have as many of your fans in the, in the arena as possible because both of those games turned out to be the, – the the entire arenas were against us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Certainly the UMBC game turned against us. And then – so that, that, that night – we. <laughs> the, the the night the bad thing happened i will always refer it to yeah. refer to it as um yeah there, there weren't a lot of umbc fans there but everybody else turned into umbc fans and then the, the next year gardner webb oh. gardner webb brought some people <laughs> i think everybody who ever went to gardner webb was in the arena well, it was and, literally 50 miles away i believe well the, the the i think it's an hour or hour and a half or something like that but they came in i mean the the, the that day virginia's game was second uh, in that session, I think it was Ole Miss and Oklahoma in the first game. Yes, and nobody was in the arena for that game until about halftime. And then you start seeing it filled up, filled up with people wearing red and black, which is Gardner Webb's colors. I'm like, damn, this is a road game, <laughs> and it's a loud road game too. I mean, um, and they got out to that 16 point lead. That place was rocking. That was that was the bad thing that almost happened. Part two, and <laughs> um, so yeah, because uh, Columbia is what a six hour drive away. Uh, Charlotte's a five-hour drive from Central Virginia. Greensboro's a three-hour drive from Central Virginia. We fill up Greensboro. We fill up Raleigh. It's a little. It's asking a little bit more to go further south. So, um, anyway, um, yeah, it's important to get to Greensboro. We need we need to win some more games. Last night was was key to that because that that keeps us on track to Greensboro Part Two. Uh, Greensboro Part One's a given. Greensboro Part Two is what we're really playing for here. And so, thank you ACC for uh, your officials. Getting it right, they almost got it wrong twice. They got it right, and uh, they they kept us on track to where we need to be. There's a country music song about getting it wrong. Oh, I can't remember the title of it. I will since we finish. Um, I, I don't know, but they they did by getting it wrong twice. They were able to correct it, and two, I'm sorry, two wrongs made a right here. Two wrongs made a right, and I'm sorry it didn't. It didn't go in Duke's favor last night, but it did not decide the game. The game did not end at that moment. The Virginia game still had to go out and win minutes. the game. Yeah, and, that did and, not gift Virginia the game. And clearly, Duke came out of that three-minute huddle uh, very unmotivated and unprepared. Yeah, 
And whatever took place in the Duke Huddle um, obviously didn't didn't factor in their play. And whatever, I think Tony addressed it in the press conference. Um, he he never really went to the scores table. He pretty much group huddled with his team and just kind of hoped that that's that was the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was preparing them for that. And then, um, and it was obvious. But, That's just because he's a goody two shoes. He's not going to go try to tell the referees how to call the game. Um, right. He was also preparing his son, uh, church, uh, Sunday school program, for Sunday school <laughs> lesson for the next day. I, he, what I heard, he uh, wasn't threatening the, the, the referees future employment. Um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't letting them know that the next, the next time they, they, they call a game is going to be at the JV level. Um, you know, yeah, he he's he's doing his job. It's it's so it's such a breath of fresh air. He was coaching his team, not coaching the ACC people, which is what the other guy uh, used to do for forty years. Bad news is good news for John Shire is. I mean, it's also bad news. Um, the Duke name still lures top recruits to Durham, um, and so he's got the number one recruiting class coming in for for this coming year's uh, recruiting cycle. Um, the bad news for, for John Shire is uh, as much as he inherited Coach K's recruiting good name, he didn't recruit Coach K's ownership of the ACC. He's going to have to go out there and actually win games on his own. Um, and so uh, that, that's going to take some time. Yeah, and um, whether Duke fans will give him enough time, that's, that, that verdict is still to be determined. Well, you same, know, same across town and or down the road a little bit in Chapel Hill with with uh, Hubert Davis. Hubert, yeah, you, you know that that both those programs, those <laughs> those once storied programs, uh, are, are are definitely going to have. They're in adjustment phases, and uh, but uh, as far as Duke's concerned, yeah, they uh, he, he, and and Shire last night. And, you know, I'll also give Coach K this as a, as a coach. Um, he he would have motivated the hell out of his guys in that three minute huddle. But he also would have had a couple of X's and O's that would have helped him out too. I, I I haven't seen that out of out of John Shire. I haven't seen any development out of those players that were a top recruiting class this year. Um, we talked about this earlier. I don't see anybody on that roster that screamed. I mean, there were a lot of NBA where we were sitting last night. Uh, for for the people out there listening, we uh, Scott and I and Lawrence actually just gave ourselves seats on press row. We were assigned different seats spread out all over the place. Scott didn't even have a seat because there's no respect there. Um, but he had, he was able to be in the arena. So we just sat on the top of, of press row, literally out there at the concourse level, but we were a row behind where all the NBA scouts were. And I felt sorry for the NBA scouts because if they were there to watch, you know, Duke one and Dunn's, um, I, I, I would think that one and done has a different connotation for those guys. There, there's, there was nobody there for those guys to watch. I mean, they, they probably, they might've been there more to watch Reese Beekman. Um, and if they were there to watch Reese Beekman, they saw something out of a little five, supposedly five, 10 point guard named Kia Clark that might make him say, we're not going to draft that guy, but he needs an invite to camp. Kia Clark owned the lane last night. Five, 10 guy owned the lane last night. He was, uh, he, he was, he was otherworldly with his drives to the basket. If I'm, if I'm an NBA scout, I'm going to go back to my, to my GM and I'm going to say we need to and give him a free agent uh, uh, invite to the camp, and we're yeah. going to tell him we're doing this, kid, because we really feel sorry for you. 
<laughs> we don't think you have a shot in hell, but we just want you to have the experience of being in it summer in a, in a camp. Uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you may see Muggsy Bogues. Um, he got, yeah. he, the first play, uh, first offensive possession of the game for Virginia, if I'm calling it right, he took it right at, uh, Derek Whitehead, the guy who had all the block shots against Carolina, eight <laughs> block shots against Carolina, took it right at him five, supposedly five ten. He, he was 5'9". Now he's grown an inch. Now he's, he's, and I don't even think he's 5'9", but whatever. He's not 5'10". Um, he's 5-something. He took it right at the 7-1 guy. And and so Whitehead had eight eight blocks against Carolina, averaged five blocks a game his last four. He had zero last night. And that was with Kihei taking him to the rim. It was with Armand Franklin, 6'4", taking him to the rim. Virginia was 19 of 28 at the rim last night. And Mr. Rim Protector got nothing. He got zero blocks. Um, Filipowski was supposedly going to be a lottery pick. Uh, so Whitehead got zero blocks. Filipowski got zero points. Um, yeah, Live, Lively. Derek Lively was a non-factor last night. After I'm sorry, what, Lively's Lively's the guy that had the blocks. I I was quoting myself. Got to correct um, And uh, I mean, it's funny how the media can 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 just spin this to make a player look. The Carolina game, you would have thought Derek Lively was the second coming of Michael Jordan, <laughs> and that he had his coming out game. Yeah. Since then, he's had two games of just MIA. Yeah, yeah. And uh, getting beat, getting beat by a little kid. You know, when when Kia Clark showed up uh, on his recruiting visit at UVA, uh, Isaiah Wilkins famously Kia showed up with his, his his mom and dad and little brother, and uh, Isaiah Wilkins, who's now a coach on the UVA staff, was a player then. He he famously said uh, when he saw Kia and his little brother standing there together, he said, "Which one of them is Kia?" <laughs> <laughs> So he let that kid take him to school. And take I believe Kia brings out the best in players. Wasn't there a Ty Jerome story where Ty Jerome got mad at him in, at a pickup game and basically threw a ball off his head? Threw a bat. He, he got so mad because Kia got up under him so much uh, was, when they were you, playing. You're not supposed to guard in a pickup game, right? Yeah, and he threw the basketball at his head. And, and that's, I mean, I remember, Scott, gosh, the first time Kia got on the court uh, in, in his first game that year. What the hell is Tony playing this little kid for? He played 24 minutes or something like that that first night. And, you know, that we got all these guys. We got Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter, and he's playing this little guy? What the hell is that little guy doing? And then there's a banner hanging up there. Uh, that wouldn't be hanging up there. Without, without that little PA guy. Clark. Yeah. Without without the, uh, the, the, the guy who wasn't the little brother <laughs> uh, up yeah. there. And yeah, he's 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 not going to get drafted, no doubt. But he is. It, it would not shock me if he's not on an NBA roster at the start of next season. If he because he'll play his way. If 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 that NBA team Scott uses the approach you just suggested, hey, we're just inviting you to give you a taste of it. Um, Kia Clark will get so pissed off that he will make a team. That's yeah. all it takes. That's all. Yeah. That, that's just not give, him, give him give him a reason why he can't succeed. Exactly, and he will he will he will do it. He is a one man full court press. Uh, he is everything. And, uh, you know, so he he was the one who starred last night. Uh, Armand Franklin obviously had a big game, too. Uh, 23 points. Nice bounce back game for him. 23 points on nine of 13 shooting. Needed that from him. Um, you know, if, so if those scouts were there to watch anybody, um, they might have been there to watch certain guys. They left impressed with the UVA kids who are boring, play boring basketball, do all the fundamental things right, go to class. Um, you know, the boring kids, the, the the bad guys these days, because we're boring. Yeah. The blue blood versus the blue collar teams. There you go. There you go. Um, 
All right. So anything else, Scott? You know, we we have vented a good bit here. Hopefully we've given the UVA fans out there some ammunition, if nothing else. Um, no, I think that, uh, you know, there's always that. I look at the glasses. Not only is it half full or half empty, but it's got a damn crack in it that no one sees but me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I know this well, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't take anything for granted, but I do think Virginia is not – I think Coach Bennett will use something. He'll use a lot of things out of the new game to motivate him and practice the next couple of days. I don't yeah. think there's going to be a letdown at Louisville, but I'm telling you, this is a tough conference. Yeah. It's getting it's getting a little, little you know, dent up a little bit because – you know, because I think the reason that is it's getting hit on so much is about being down is because Carolina Duke's not getting all the publicity. Well, the conference is strong. There's so many teams uh, until you get to the very bottom where yeah. it is weak with Louisville and Georgia Tech. The rest of the conference on any given night, we've seen it. Tech Tech beats UVA. You take Georgia Tech and Duke out, or Louisville out of the mix. And, and Notre Dame. Take Notre Dame out too. And Notre Dame. Uh, then – you got 12 teams that are going to battle one another. And um, I think the Louisville game will be a little more difficult than we think. I really oh, yeah. do. I, they played well against my, I have to break it down, but they lost by eight at Miami. Uh, and so, um, yeah, you got to, and you got to respect everybody. They're, they still recruit Louisville level athletes. I'll, and this I'll, is their Super Bowl. It's their, yeah, it's their, it's their chance to, to, they're in NCAA tournament game because they're not obviously at three and 21, not going to make one. So they have one chance to do something to shock the world. This is, this is it. Uh, I'll have a breakdown. We'll, we'll, I'll look more in depth at Louisville's uh, numbers, internals and that kind of thing. And I'll do my best because I do this. Uh, you, Scott talked about how he's the one who finds the crack in the half in the, in the glass. That's also half empty. Uh, I am a, I'm a guy when I write the previews, I, I really do try to find uh, the danger in an opponent because there's danger in every opponent. I, I, we know that because that's ingrained in us since UMBC, but there's a, there's danger in every opponent. You can't overlook anybody. Yeah, so, if you were in the arena uh, for the UMBC game and you ever make a statement that oh, this was, this was a gimme, then you're just, then you weren't at that game. You weren't at that game and you, you have not, you, you have somehow suppressed the horror <laughs> We all felt that. You night. watched that on TV and you turned it off and started drinking heavily at about the eight minute mark when you knew the game was over. You weren't there and had to endure what we watched the UMBC guys go crazy, the fans, uh, and then had to sit through the most agonizing post game press conference I've ever been a part of. Yeah, that's uh, that's always there. Uh, that's the seeds of 2019. They were they were planted in 2018 in a very painful way. But yeah, as as a result, we respect every opponent, and and, and you they, they deserve respect. So anyway, that game is midweek this week. Uh, what is it? Is Notre Dame the the home game on the weekend, Scott? Yeah, I, Notre I, Dame is Saturday at 12. So another one of that one paper should be a a, 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 a a easy game for Virginia, but we will not look at it that way. Nate Lachesky had 33 points last night for uh for for Notre Dame in a loss to Virginia Tech. Oh, there's always something out there. So anyway, we'll, we'll preview those games and uh, I'm sure Scott and I'll get back together uh, this week as well. Well, for Scott German, I am Chris Graham uh, signing off. If you have anything for us to look at uh, in the near future, uh, email me at, at Chris. I was getting ready to say Scott at Chris at AugustaFreePress.com.